Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Axelar Network and Secret Labs. Let's take a listen. Let's just get right into it. So, hi everyone. Uh, today for you, we have a very interesting AMA in between Sergey, the CEO of Axelar, and Guy Siskind, the, the Secret Labs, both founder and CEO. So, after some of those brief introduction, why don't you get going, guys? Hey, sounds good. Hey, everyone. This is Sergey from Axler. Um, I'll just let Guy introduce himself. Hey, can you hear us? Hey, hey everyone. Hey, do you want to you... just introduce yourself quickly? Sure. Hi, everyone. Great, great to be here. So I'm a few minutes late. Um, so my name is Guy Ziskin. Uh, yes, I'm the uh, CEO of Secret Labs, which is uh, the company that founded uh, Secret Network um, and is built and is the currently an ongoing the core development company of Secret Network. Um, we're also building some applications on top of the network, like LegendDAO. Um, we built Secret Swap, which was the first AMM, and now uh, assisting with uh, Hydrofinance, which is an upcoming AMM, and uh, so forth. So great, great to be here. Awesome, sounds great. Um... Do you, Guy, do you want to maybe just kick off, you know, at least for our audience, I think it'll be interesting to hear a little bit more about the secret network, about what you guys are doing, you know, some of the stuff that you're building, and um, then we can ask a couple of questions and take it from there. Definitely. So uh, secret network is a Cosmos chain, Cosmos layer one chain, um, nothing too new here. It's a fully permissionless uh, smart contract chain. Uh, it was actually, I think, the first, or maybe alongside Terra. I, th- I think both us and Terra kind of launched in the first month, but Secret has been live since early 2020. So it's A, one of the most, is one of the first um, Cosmo chains, and B, was either the first or second to implement Cosmosm smart contract capability. What Secret does that is different from any other chain, both in Cosmos and outside it, is the fact that we allow privacy-preserving smart contracts. So the idea is that on in any contract on Secret Network, um, any contract execution, all of the inputs sent to it are encrypted. Um, the contract state and state transitions are encrypted, and the contract uh, output um, is encrypted to the user. Now, the developer, you know, uh, that means that basically uh, Secret Network is like a, a decentralized computer that allows you to compute other encrypted data. But obviously some applications and some use cases, or actually in any application, there are there's some information that you want to make public. So in each smart contract, the developer can basically decide 
like what data they want to make public for everyone to see. And to give you a very, a very simple example, imagine there's like a voting contract. So the votes in the contract would be private, so no one can see uh, who votes for whom. But at the end of the, of the voting period, you want the tallies, the actual results to be public so the developer can make that, can make that public. So that's really kind of like secret strength and that's really where it's unique and makes, um, we think and we feel, um, a lot of use cases that are not available in other chains, um, they are available in secret. And we sub very much subscribe to the, to let's say the Cosmos philosophy that you know not everything has to be built on secret although we very much like that and would invite everyone to build on us but not everything has to be but we do believe that um many projects out there no matter where they're built um whether it's on cosmos or on evm chains or on any other chain out there um can make use secret kind of like as a, as a service right when they need privacy features and that's why we're actually very, very excited to talk with um, someone like Excelal, um, who's helping make that vision true, right? Be able to bridge from one network to the other. Um, that is very, very key to our value proposition and philosophy. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think extending like privacy and making it accessible to applications, right, and different chains as a black box, right? Um, you know, I think is 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 incredibly exciting. Um, I guess on the, you know, on the little bit of a technical side, like, could you give us a, a sense of like, how does it work under the hood? Do you guys run like various kind of cryptographic protocols or yeah, what does it actually look like and how do you get this privacy layer? Sure, so very, very early on, um, the goal was to run the pure, purely cryptographic protocol that um, uh, Secret was um, essentially a, a it's a, a development or an evolution of my own thesis uh, in grad school. Um, but when we came to build it and, you know, we just in, built it in practice, we just realized that like using purely cryptographic like, protocols like MPC or homomorphic encryption are just not ready for prime time. Um, it, it would just not be feasible. And so we instead resorted to using uh, trusted execution environments. So secure enclaves. For people who don't know what secure enclaves are, um, then I'm sure you at least know what a ledger or a Trezor wallet is, right? So a ledger or a Trezor wallet is, in essence, a trusted execution environment that only does one function. Um, it's, um, it can sign transactions. But essentially, trusted execution environments, what they are is they are a piece of hardware that allows you to keep data um, let's say segregated even from the the host of the device. Um, and again, in the ledger in the ledger example, um, it's even even if you even if you have the ledger, um, you can't actually access the private key which is inside of the trusted execution environment. But a trusted execution environment still allows you to run computations over that data without actually getting access to it. So again, in the case of the hardware wallet. It's limited to signing transactions, but in modern processors like Intel, like AMD, um, like anything else, there's the ability to run any kind of computation. And so that's what we're using. 
each validator in secret network is running um, SGX, which is Intel's trusted execution environment. And using that, essentially, we can push all contract executions inside of the trusted execution environment, um, and we encrypt the data from the outside so that only the, the trusted execution environment can decrypt the information, and therefore, the validators themselves or anyone observing the chain cannot actually see the data that's being computed over. So that's that's the basis of the technology, but obviously it's like not enough where to build all kinds of protocol around it. And there's like essentially um, uh, encryption, decryption, key sharing protocols between the users, the validators, the chain that kind of govern the whole thing and, and, and make it work and make it tick. Got it. And so just so I understand, um, is every validator running the computation in every computation in SGX, or do you have one validator that just runs it and then like they prove or attest to everyone else that they've done it correctly? So that's a great question, actually, um, we, because we considered both models and we, at the end, decided that um, um, all validators are running. So all validators run um, SGX and all of them are running the same computation. Which also meant that, like, we had to use like um, a deterministic version of AES and stuff like that to make sure that there's like no um, non-deterministic uh, functions happening that would break consensus. Interesting, and I guess curious. And yeah, I know it may be a little bit too out there, but why did you make the decision? Like, uh, wouldn't running it once be sufficient as long as everybody can verify it, or you don't want to assume? Um, yeah, like. You don't want to assume that that we're enough. So first of all, we a that would have greatly complicated the protocol. That's that's one that's one answer. Like it would make it. would have made like development like much more complicated, and we would have to think about a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Um, reason number two is um, we did want to kind of like limit the, or at least for the most part, limit the. Let's say the threat model, um, which is which is still an assumption, like that, that has to be said, but still limit the threat model such that um, we focus on trusted execution environments for privacy, but not for correctness. So, if only one of them um, runs and the test, then and and everyone else validate, then it's more the the they're like edge cases, right? Like like maybe like a like you give more power to a node to actually censor transactions, um, or maybe you know in the extreme case that a node can somehow falsify attestation, although that's outside of our scope, then then you know consensus would break, um, and so we decided look let's just keep consensus as another layer for correctness, not break that, plus greatly simplifies the the protocol. Both of these were like the, the the main factors that decided this. Got it. Sounds good. And I guess one more related question. Yeah, sorry, it may be a little bit to do, but I just find it like super interesting what you guys are doing. So um, then when a validator, when I register to become a validator, right, on Secret Network, do I need to prove that I, you know, have a GX or one of these secure environments? And or do I need to prove it every time I, you know, get a function that I'm going to run this actually? 
you know, inside of um, this hardware environment? Or how do you verify that, you know, I don't just run everything, you know, in clear text and then get to see the data? Sure. So there's actually an interesting protocol. And, and um, when es- essentially when you, when you evaluate or join the network, then you need to prove on chain a remote station that you're run, running um, um, a, a, a valid SGX plus all the microcode updates, like everything that the network deems like necessary to, to be running like an up-to-date patch like um, SGX. And when you do that, um, you also um, produce on-chain, you also create a keeper and you also attest that you ran the code to create the, key, the keeper inside of the enclave and you produce a keeper um, um, so people can encrypt like messages to you. And then using you publish your public key on chain, and then like um, um, the, the 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 network in the consensus, they're also encrypting like some kind of seed or like 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 base entropy, shared entropy uh, for you. And then once you do that to complete the registration, you take that into the enclave. Um, you use like you you edit you decrypt it inside of the enclave, and then you can use that entropy to generate like all of the keys that you need um, because there are many keys that are being used and those keys uh, with those keys basically you can start like validating blocks like you can reconstruct the history and you can validate blocks and and from that point and on like we can use those keepers that 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 keeper that you generated and don't have to rely anymore on like intel um or or the original station Got it. Okay. Awesome. So this is super interesting, right? And so the, the, the end result is then as a user, you know, I, okay, I can encrypt like some data and then it'll be decrypted inside of every validators, you know, enclave, they do the computation. Um, then they run a consensus to, you know, agree on the result and it gets posted back on the blockchain. Correct. That's exactly it. Yeah. This is super interesting. And you guys, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably one of the first big deployments of SGX technology for general compute uh, in public out there. No? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely something that is running very openly in public and open source. I think it's the first. I think there's another company that does it in cloud computing called uh, Fortanix, which I'm not even sure if it's open source or not. I can't remember. Um. And there's another big company that, or medium company, called Anjuna Security. They started at Stanford. Um, disclaimer: I know the CTO pretty well, um, but they are they are close source. Got it. Makes sense. And what is the programming environment in this? Is it C C plus plus, or is it Go, or how do I code an application to be executed inside no, the enclave? Oh, so it's Cosmosm. So Cosmosm is Rust contracts for now. Hopefully, mm-hmm. there, there are several projects working on bringing other front-end languages, um, like like things like um, similar to JavaScript and stuff like that. But right now, you have to write in Rust, and it's again, mm-hmm. it's very similar to what you would use in Terra, um, if Terra, if and when Terra comes back in Juno, um, and in other places. Got it. But inside the enclave, then you have. A virtual machine that runs Rust is is Rust natively supported? I guess by SGX. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago when I looked at it, it was C C plus plus only. Or 
do you create like there, a yeah so there's a there's a rust uh, basically version of the libraries okay. um that 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 works great and and inside of the enclave but what happens to the rascal it doesn't run natively it runs i mean cousin was as the name suggests is WebAssembly, right? It's kind of like a, a middleware for WebAssembly. So the Rust code gets um, um, compiled down to WebAssembly bytecode, and that's what's being actually run inside of the Enclave. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Sounds great. So I guess moving on, let's talk about some of the applications, right, of this. And I know you guys are doing a lot of work, you know, in NFT space as well. Um, yeah, curious, can you mention like one or two exciting applications? Sure. So, first of all, there's uh, all DEXs, all AMMs on secret network are front-running resistant and MEV resistant, which I think is really cool. Um, also, all, all DeFi applications, really. And the, the simple reason is that the inputs are encrypted. So when a user sends a transaction, for example, for an AMM, they encrypt the details of the swap. So anyone who's looking at the mempool can't really, even validators, they can't really extract value. So uh, until after the fact. Uh, so that's one use case that's uh, somewhat different. There is also, oh, and that's really cool. And, and one, another use case that's really cool with bridges. So we took the, the Cosmos Wasm 20, which is basically the, let's say Cosmos version of ERC20 tokens. And we've done that like a long time ago. This isn't new, this is like a year and a half um, old. And basically we turned these into uh, what we call secret tokens. So uh, SNP20 to secret tokens or SNP20 tokens, essentially, it basically means that um, any token that's built or bridged to secret network can become a privacy token, a private token. So um, you can hide um, who you're sending your money to, you can hide the amount. Um, and if you, but if you want, and if you want to reveal it to someone, then you could give them read access only, which can be done by by a viewing key or a permit. So essentially, let's say I uh, take my secret. Secret itself is, is a regular Cosmos coin, so it's transparent, like you see the transaction. But if you want to send secret privately, then you can wrap it into a token called a secret or secret secret. And when you send that, then no one will see like, I mean, they will see an address interacting with the, with the secret, secret contract, but they would not know who the money is being sent to, how much is being sent to. And at the end of the year, let's say, I mean, we do that. Like if you want to report it to like uh, your, your CPA, then you just give them like a viewing key so that they can actually download their transaction history and see it. But then they see it, not everyone else. So that's another cool use case. And I think the third cool use case um, I, I want to mention, and, and there are many more, but the third use case I want to mention are uh, secret NFTs and gaming on secret. So secret NFTs are basically an extension of NFTs. Um, NFTs, usually the common joke is that you can right click save the content even if you're not the owner so anyone can copy the content of the nft even if they don't own own it that's because of the transparent nature of, of the blockchain in secret you can you can have private metadata so it's basically the data the payload of the of the nft can be encrypted such that only the owner can actually decrypt it 
And you can mix private metadata with public metadata because sometimes you want to show off your NFT, but maybe there's some content that you don't want to show off. So um, in, in, in a, about a month, we're going to have a, a, a big, big um, collection drop um, with Kevin Smith, who's a very well-known very well filmmaker and actor. And he's actually releasing a full movie called Killroy Was Here as an NFT collection on Secret Network and in particular the Legenda, which is our NFT minting platform. And he could only do it with Secret Network, like right? Like he couldn't you cannot release a movie as an NFT on any other network because like there would really be no point because like as soon as there's like one copy out there, everyone can copy it on chain and download it. And in Secret Network, the cool part is that you know, we're releasing this as an NFT collection and only if you buy um, um, one of the NFTs, then you actually get access to see the movie. Awesome. Sounds great. Yeah, this sounds super exciting. Do you see this type of application being kind of accessible, you know, via an API or something from other chains, right? Because I think I can imagine, you know, A, just in general, these privacy services being very useful, right? Um, and accessible like via API, um, but also for NFT, kind of these types of drops as well. 100%. I think, I think Secret is going to, um, like, if I have to guess, then, uh, I mean, I think there, there's, there's a benefit to building on Secret. You get all of the things natively, on-chain, very easily. Like, like for example, Secret can generate um, um, randomness on chain because of its privacy properties, and it doesn't have to use like off chain oracles and solutions. So there's a benefit to use to build on secret directly. However, let's face it: at the end of the day, ten years from now, I think secret would be more of like a, a privacy service or a privacy, let's say, um, layer for anyone building on Web three. And it's much more likely that at the end of the day a lot of chains would use secret um, and a lot of products built on other chains would use secret as a service other than many more than the ones that build on top of it. So yes, a hundred percent. That's, that's actually our, our vision. And I think that like one, like, like a year from now, most of our, most of the application we'll see coming in would be that way. Yeah. So that's super exciting. Right. And I think that's why, you know, we're, really looking forward to kind of working with you guys on extending things like general message passing right from secret network to all the other chains you know evm chains out there and kind of extending this functionality and i can almost see a world where just like you guys have right now this sgx you know is a black box but then the secret network becomes like this kind of a secret co-processor right for the for the for the blockchain ecosystem that you can do interesting computation with and like you know export it out Yes, and I actually think that the we already see the first couple of like very highly utilized examples and something that we can actually probably do together like almost today, and that is with NFTs and fungible tokens. So with fungible tokens, um, just so that people know, like like Secret has built ad hoc bridges about a year and a half ago, and I know from a lot of people from first-hand experience who've been using our bridges 
like moving like USDC and moving Ethereum and WBTC and 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 you know um, IBC assets before even IBC um, to our chain to turn them into um, uh, private tokens and then transfer with them without the fear of getting of doxing themselves. I actually know people that are like let's say founders or um, employees of of big. Um, projects in the ecosystem that have been used in secret um, to basically make sure that they're not being doxxed because they're getting paid in some native token so that's something that is very immediately available right like with something like a general purpose bridge um, then like axelar then we can bring fungible tokens to secret to be traded privately if they if if people so choose. Um, immediately, and I think maybe an even more exciting immediate use case um, that does require general message passing, but is maybe a bit more limited in, sp- in scope, is with secret NFTs. So there's no reason for NFTs to be only minted um, or only exi- only existing in secret network, right? Like maybe like people can mint an NFT collection on OpenSea or Solana or wherever they want. And let's face it, these networks right now have a lot more liquidity than any network in Cosmos, so it even makes sense. But the, 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 the idea that your NFT could have private metadata is extremely powerful. So it would be an amazing, an amazing use case to use a bridge like Axelar for, people, for projects from minting even on Solana and, and Ethereum to then to have some exclusive content or private part of the NFT that can only be viewed on secret network. And if the UI is right, people don't even have to know that they're like on secret network or that they've bridged like their NFT using XLR. It would just be seamless. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, our goal is to make sure that users can interact with all these, you know, services and applications with one click, no matter where they are. Right. And I think, you know, we're still talking about like the bridging functionality and like moving things, but I really hope that, that will go away and the users can just benefit directly from the utility of the applications and services, you know, from their wallets with one click transactions. I think, yeah, I think UX is, I'm actually happy. I think in the last 12 months, like UX has become a much more important thing in crypto, which wasn't the case until a year ago. Awesome. So sounds great. I know we also had some other guests here today yeah hi uh, Devo from uh, desktop AI are you with us I am indeed how's it going how's it going buddy good good no it's such a such an interesting and uh, I suppose timely conversation um, you know for for projects on Terra in in particular like it's been a crazy week as I'm sure many of you guys uh, are aware of but um, yeah, what's really interesting to me and what's you know been a real positive coming out of a bunch of conversations and discussions are you know the unique value props and unique features of, of different ecosystems and you know different tech stacks across ecosystems. So you know even for us speaking to the Legendow team and to the Secret Labs team, you know it's clear that you know a lot of the use cases around private metadata that are really unique to Secret. Uh, are things that we wouldn't have been aware of, you know, or really wouldn't have thought about in great depth as to how to use them actually, uh, if not for what's happened over the past week. Um, 
Yeah, so I think even for us, like we're starting to think about interoperable NFTs and sort of how we can use things like private metadata to, you know, bolster our utility. So if it's a 3D model, actually releasing the 3D model, um, you know, the raw file to holders in private metadata or to release, um, you know, different animations and custom things uh, in that metadata too is really quite interesting. And yeah, I think, you know, speaking to Axelar and, you know, an initial concern I had a couple of weeks ago when thinking about this was, you know, marketplaces. Like if, if we're bridging things across chains, how then are we ensuring that there's like a one marketplace to do things? But it's, it's really heartening to see what Axelar is doing with Axelar C uh, and sort of aggregating NFTs across uh, ecosystems into one place, uh, which is super useful. Uh, and allows projects that are doing different things and want to make use of different ecosystems uh, to be able to, you know, actually grow cross trains. So, you know, use the infrastructure of certain blockchains that have optimized for trans, you know, transactions per second uh, for gaming, or to use DeFi, um, you know, for for NFTs on on certain blockchains as well, uh, or to use secret metadata on secret as well. Um, it's it's just, yeah, been a really interesting time. Uh, and I feel like a lot of infrastructure is now being built, getting, getting projects over to different blockchains as well, which is really great. Nice, man. Good to hear from you. Uh, Sergey, I, I actually had a question uh, for you. Like, how do you see, you know, the current market situation for Axelar? Is this a, a golden opportunity or would you rather the, this market to be... Uh, in a much better spot uh, like how do you guys how does that fit into your plans yeah no i mean you know i think the last week was pretty you know unfortunate right to many teams and the projects um i mean i think what we're trying to do with actually is just build for the long term right and i think that goes back to kind of the core you know technology that we're working with um kind of the core decisions that we're making um so we try i guess not to focus you know too much on <laughs> um you know, immediate market reactions to some of these things and kind of keep our heads in the building and uh, just continue to innovate across the stack and, you know, support different ecosystems with um, with their needs and help them go uh, kind of cross-chain, right? Um, so, yeah, that's that, you know, has always been our goal. Last few weeks just been pretty busy across the stack as we needed to, you know, push more integrations live. Um, and uh, just support, uh, you know, Osmosis pretty quickly. I think we helped them get, you know, USDC and some other liquidity to to stabilize like this one of the bigger DEXs, you know, in Cosmos ecosystem. Um, so yeah, and we'll continue kind of building going forward as well. Nice guy. I'm kind of uh, heading the question to you, like as uh, as an OG in the industry, uh, you've been around from some of these uh, crashes in the past um you know how do you see this uh, moving forward and how do you see the interoperability aspect of it as uh you know as an element uh, to, to take us all to the next level so i think i'm, I'm going to be a bit specific on the question i think there are two parts to it there's you know the very unfortunate event with the era um which we also had exposure to nothing that would be you know shake the ground underneath us, but still not present. So we, we feel as everyone is feeling, and that was obviously 
bad. And there's, 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 I don't think there's anything good about her or, or Mrs. Erlanin, except that, you know, um, everyone, would, um, I hope that most would survive and continue building. Um, and then there's the general market, you know, macroeconomic conditions, both of the crypto market and the market as a whole. And we've been in bear markets before. And bear markets are both good and bad. They're, they're bad because it's, it's, it's harder to acquire users. Putting it very simply, there's more activity, there's more interest around crypto when the markets are hot. But it's great in the sense that things are much less noisy. And then the projects that were more opportunistic tend to fade away. And the projects that you know just build tend to stick around. And it's a really, really it's in that sense, like it's easier to bring like good partners in at that time. It's easier to focus on building and to taking care of things like you know, technical debt. So things quiet down and you're able to build better. Um, but at the same time, you know, user acquisition is harder. It's kind of like the way I see it. Cool. And I think before we kind of um, take some questions from the listeners, uh, Guy, Sergey, is there any message? Uh, I know a lot of uh, Terra teams, uh, teams who built on Terra are listening. Uh, you guys want to talk about the, the opportunities uh, to collaborate with uh, with some of them? Yeah, no, look, I mean, I think the message for me I, uh, and what we try to do with Axelor is just give people an ability to choose, you know, whatever the best environment is to host the application and serve their needs, right? And I think our, our role and our goals has always been to make sure that whatever they choose is like they're still interconnected and, um, you know, they're, uh, they still can communicate with, all the other ecosystems out there in a permissionless and a secure way. Um, and I think, you know, with things like general message passing, like through Axler and kind of more and more chains being added, I think that is going to be more and more easily accessible uh, to everyone. Um, you know, instead of just moving tokens, you can move all kinds of information. You can move program state and really build powerful, you know, applications um, kind of along the way there and leverage, you know, various services that you need, whether or not it's, you know, privacy, um, you know, uh, resistance to front running and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still very much looking forward to um, the growth of the ecosystem. I think kind of cross-chain, multi-chain applications will be with better user experience was something that could help us get to the next level in the, you know, blockchain ecosystem itself. So, yeah, I just encourage people to continue building. Awesome. Guy, how about you? I guess on my end and on Secret's end, uh, first and foremost, the, the thing that we care the most about is that the, the, the projects are ideally surviving and that um, this is just a, a bump, even if a big bump on the road. Um, nothing too specific except that uh, I know that projects are thinking about their next steps right now. There's a new Terra chain coming. There are other chains out there. There are many, many options. Um, all I can say is that Secret is like here for you if you want to talk, if you want to consider, um, if you're thinking about finding either a new home or doing something like a cross-chain deployment and becoming more chain agnostic. 
then reach out to us and you know we we would love to help you out talk with you um there's also a a pretty substantial funding program that's being devised by the network as we speak or if you just want to talk about the market conditions and how to you know to survive whatever whatever's transpired in the in the past week then we're always open to the world well. like i said we 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 are also big uh, uh luna industry holders so we 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 know what it is cool uh we have norcal crypto you have a question you want to ask or a topic you want to discuss norcal crypto um you requested the yeah uh, hi can you hear me loud and clear loud and clear Yep. Hey, thanks well, very much for an uh, amazing uh, project. I've been staking an airdrop since you guys launched. Uh, unfortunately, twenty-one days ago, somebody uh, um, somebody hacked my got my. I don't know how they got to my uh, my my staking. Uh, they undelegated it, and then about twenty-four hours ago, they moved it to uh, another chain. That's and um, I, I don't know, uh, I suppose I probably would have used a ledger had I seen the ledger uh, um, integration in the Kepler wallet. But I never did. I'm pretty good with wallets. I poke around. It's just not, it's not clear. And I just wanted to bring that to your attention um, because I see it as like a flaw. I'm not pointing fingers. I just want, you know, people to be aware of it. Um, it was sad because, you know, I, I, you know, how I was supporting the chain. And um, so that's that. And uh, any questions yeah. about uh, interop cross chain interoperability? Because that kind of the kind of the subject of this uh, space. Yeah. I, I, I feel for you for the, you know, the mishap yeah. with the cafe wallet. But uh, let's stick to the subject. Sure. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, the un well interoperability. I guess the other question I had was like in terms of Luna and a stable, stable, you know, uh, coin. Um, how might uh, secret uh, con uh, smart contracts um, have uh, helped from obfuscating uh, the transparency that could have led to uh, some to a hacker um, uh, could have been beneficial? So how could secret contracts help to uh, to save a coin to you know am i making any sense i don't know guy do you have a i i'm not sure i understood the question like could you maybe rephrase and okay so let's look at um uh, blockchains in general how they're they're transparent so i'm just kind of curious like that transparency does it does it lead is it somehow lead to susceptibility for a project, a coin to be uh, manipulated, where um, having uh, secrecy or privacy features by default, like secret, uh, would would sort of help to you know um, uh, empower uh, to protect um, a coin from being uh, manipulated. Like I think Terra was brought down, calculated. I don't know. I think there are pros and cons, right? Like sometimes you want information to be more public and sometimes you want it to be more private. And sometimes keeping it public leads to the wrong conclusions and sometimes keeping it private leads to the wrong conclusions. I actually think this is, I think where this is more important than 
you know, hiding coin transfers is governance. I think the fact that on-chain governance is public, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's something that we, we set out to solve very early on in, uh, in Secret Network, and, and, and several projects are using private governance right now. And the reason is that I think public governance is problematic. I mean, if networks, tokens are acting as a DAO, as DAOs, then when the votes are public, then people just tend to follow the loudest voice, like of the validators, of the project team, and all that. And if you look at many on-chain votes, then you see that many of them, they don't look like democracy. They look more like dict- dictatorships, like 90, 95% in favor of a proposal. And I think if votes are private, we would not see that situation happen. And to me, that leads to more manipulation, probably, than whether transactions are obfuscated or not, personally. I think it's actually quite interesting about the governance to also, you know, again, like, back to our conversation, export it to other, you know, chains and make it maybe available, right? Like as a module, like privacy preserve and voting. I think that would be cool. Very much in green. Karma, how are you doing? Another question from the audience, I believe, as well. Let's just... Parina, I believe. Let's hear ya. Mm, she, she, she has issues with her connection, so... Well, uh, you're a speaking guy? I would want to hear from Karma, to be honest. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Guy. Hello, Legendao and Shahar on the other side. Lovely AMA. Um, I'm happy to you know, jump on and bring, bring some questions back onto the topic. Um, now, I was wondering, maybe it's because uh, some of your sound dropped off for me. This, there's just a problem with my speaker. But I was really, really fascinated to hear that there is a possibility of minting on another chain and then secret, secrecy privacy as a service provided by secret network and possibilities of bridging to secret network, even with NFTs. And forgive me if you've already spoken about this, but I would be really interested to hear how would that work in the more IBC interoperable wider cosmos. I'm thinking right now, for example, out of all the cosmos chains, I think Terra had the most uh, well, the most liquidity in the NFT markets. And we are all now hoping that as it looks from the from the vote right now, we will be getting Terra 2.0 and that Terra 2.0 will likely be fully IBC uh, enabled, unlike our old Terra, <laughs> Terra Classic now soon to be. Um, now, presumably if someone, let's say, mints an NFT on the new Terra network or another Cosmos network and wants to bridge it to secret network, or the other way, let's say I have a secret network NFT with this private metadata and I want to use it or just transport it across the IBC chain somewhere else. How would it be determined how the secret traits are displayed on the other chains when I use it? Um, you know what I mean? Just generally, how would that be handled by the other chains that do not have that privacy enabled? Um, or maybe I misunderstood somewhere there about the interoperability. So I would leave to Sergey to answer about the specifics of how an NFT bridge would work. They would they would be the experts, and we are also relying on on their expertise and help to actually do the bridge. But very very simply, very simply put, you know, I'm not sure that's how Excel's bridge work. But 
the way we've developed bridges before, and these were ad hoc, um, you would lock the NFT on one chain. I mean, this would be in the UI, in the UX, this would be basically made seamless, but you would essentially lock your NFT on one chain and then it would mint it on another chain. And once it's minted on the other chain, um, then on the other chain, the NFT would include the private metadata as well. So for example, with the, with the Tarantino drop, we built an ad hoc bridge where you minted it on Ethereum and on Ethereum, all you had was the, the public metadata. So the, the image, the art, whatever. And then when you bridged it, what happened is you locked it on in a contract in Ethereum. So, you know, you can't like double dip and then it automatically sent the message through a relayer that we we provided, but again, with things like XLR, we don't need to provide those relayers that basically let Secret Network know that the NFT has been locked on Ethereum and it needs to be minted on Secret. And then on Secret, you got the version of the NFT with um, with the private metadata, whatever whatever it is. Then when you wanted to go back, you would burn that secret, that NFT on secret, and then the NFT on Ethereum would be released. That's kind of like how we did it, and maybe how it's done. But I would like to Sergey explain how they do it with XLR. Yeah, so a couple of things to add there, right? I mean, I think traditionally when we talk about like bridging, people yeah talk about you know moving assets or moving NFTs back and forth. Now with the general message passing, and so that's going to be can available, you know, through Cosmos ecosystem, through interchain accounts, right? Through Axel, it's already available on the main network through, you know, just a general message passing format. You can do a lot more where you can move computation around and synchronize state um, across different blockchains, right? So then how this becomes instantiated could actually be very, very different than just, you know, moving an NFT and locking, um, you know, on one chain, kind of unlocking on the other, all the metadata. You could have a world where even NFT, you know, resides with its metadata, let's say somewhere on the secret network. And then you have like some smart contract or, you know, through interchain accounts, like interchain transactions that specify how this like NFT needs to be manipulated, what types of computations need to take place over it and, you know, return any results back to where the user needs them on the right chain, you know, hidden or unhidden in, in like various shapes and forms, again, determined by the application, right? So I think the kind of the next evolution of just interoperability in general is going to be, you know, go way beyond just pure transfer of metadata. And it's going to be more Turing complete in that sense that you can kind of encode a computation alongside with your, you know, NFT metadata, you can describe what needs to happen to it. You can, you know, route it to the secret network, do some computation in a private preserved environment, route it outside somewhere else, like execute transaction with respect to it, or, you know, reveal some parts of it if you need to. Um, so that's what I'm, uh, you know, pretty excited about. No, that sounds absolutely amazing. And, you know, very, very much along the lines of, I think many of us feel within the Cosmos uh, ecosystem that, you know, we are creating separate ecosystems that provide very, very particular value props 
and 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 particular use cases that the other can't but at the same time you are allowed to move your assets around so even yeah. let's say nft collections that have already dropped they could utilize secret network for their secondary drops or even certain uh i don't know even games or certain uh holder perks um without compromising on privacy. Um, one of the use cases I'm thinking about right now, I believe there is the VIRL um, company building on secret network and they are working on high quality merch drops, um, cooperating with artists and trying to solve the case of uh, basically right now when users that own their nfts are trying to buy something created with that nft image from artists like they often have to dox their real life addresses etc some collections even ask you for your address you know in a google form and it's it's all a bit dodgy when you want to try to stay anonymous um and because of the secret network encrypted data it's very very easy to create these use cases that would be more difficult on other chains so huge huge fan there love what you're doing and also just wanted to quickly add to what was said about um the the obfuscated way or the non-obfuscated way uh the voting is being done on many DAOs in many protocols there is this illusion of democracy democracy but at the same time it has been proven time and time again in many uh, you know, psychological studies that most passive voters that don't really have the time or don't feel like doing their own DD and forming their own opinion will always vote with the majority. So I completely agree there. That's what we've seen in our Galactic DAO, that most users will vote the way it's suggested to them, either through the wording that the proposal uses or through the majority of people that have voted before them. Um, so I'm really, really excited about improving these voting systems and, and how Secrets tries to do it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the questions. Awesome. Well, sounds great. I think this was super interesting. Guy, thanks for joining. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks everyone else for stopping by and uh, listening in. So looking forward to continue the collaboration. I think we have a lot to continue building and it'll be exciting. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks. See you everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Axelar and Secret Labs, recorded on Thursday, May 19th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Running out the gate, rapping, step up to the plate. Represent the base when I'm rapping out my fate. Used to play ball, now I'm sitting on the bench like a mid, like to play dumb, so you can't tell me shit. Never gonna get me like a raise in your 50s. And if we go drifting, you better whip it swiftly. I'm on empty, feeling peppy enough to do a fucking barrel roll. Running out of air like this planet isn't terraformed. Looking terrible, like you need a breath. Getting cancer from these wearables, feeling kinda blessed. Tracking everywhere we go, where we're bar slow. Here we are, so I guess we put the Terror in the art show. I'm not a leader, but I'll lead a few misleader. While the creature comfort certified up in this teacher, feeling like a tenure isn't even needed. Taking all that hunger, trying to feed it. Learning how to love life before we get defeated. Oh, yeah. Rhythm.
met me first You're gonna get it last Never mind the mask Time's velocity divided by the past Can't fight the facts Rhyming fast Lightning round in fact A little backhand Should straighten up these little rats You better pay attention to the dude that's spitting facts Everybody likes to rap about how they got no attachment Straight up bandit in the back of some shitty shack Learn how to eat from watching dogs fight over trash If you think I'm crass, brash, being a little ass I'm feeling a little bashful about bringing the illest back It's like the virus brought the violence from the lowest to the highest And we all got super quiet like the Mayans And I don't even know where the fuck we go from here A bunch of long hairs, growing beards, not showing fear One step forward, taking two steps back And pray to your mother we don't hit a crack Spaces.